Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, buddy. Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Do you tune in podcasts? You sure do. Yeah, okay. Sure do. Yeah, that makes sense. We are on a frequency of some sort. Uh, Me being a West Texan, my frequency might be a little bit slower than some others in the talking words per minute frequency. That's too slow. Okay, I'll speed it up a little bit. Um, so how's it going? It's going. It's, it feels like it's been a while since, since we've seen each other, since we've spoken. I know. We didn't have that instant reaction pod this week because it was a bye, bye week. And I just, I miss not getting to Skype with you at two in the morning. Yeah, I, I felt a hole in my week. <laughs> um, strangely enough, I watched very little football on Saturday. I watched quite a bit. I was otherwise engaged i got to see um i got to see most of the oklahoma state texas game i wanted to watch that when i watched zero seconds of it and i caught a little bit of the georgia notre dame game and i think there was one or two other ones that i watched a little bit of in the afternoon i think the most of a game i watched this weekend was tcu smu that's right that was the that was the one I watched uh, probably the first two quarters of that. And my my acquaintance friend that is an officiator, official, ooh, officiator, <laughs> um, college football official, he was on that game. Oh, he was the, yeah, he was the guy that missed the fact, no. or one of the guys that missed the fact that uh, a TCU player jerked a helmet off of an SMU player and threw it 40 yards down the field and no one called anything. He was on that side of the field. He was right there. Yes, but that wasn't his call. Like, we, well, whose we, call is it? Really, if we're talking about a, a I didn't foul, mean to go Jerry Seinfeld there, sorry. A foul against an offensive line, defensive line, that's one of the two guys in the middle of the field. The, the, the referee, the umpire, the white hat, the referee, not the umpire, and the guy that stands next to him who like keeps the center from snapping the ball. Those two guys are watching the offensive line. I think if it's on the right side, it's the umpire. Sorry, the referee, which doesn't say anything because he's like the crew chief. He's the white hat. He runs everything. He's watching the right side of the line and the quarterback. If he misses an offensive lineman getting his head ripped off, it's like it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, someone totally missed that. And and Sonny Dykes was just he was incensed, hot. He was steamed when they came back from commercial and they couldn't figure out why. And I thought. This is an overreaction. Why in the world? Because it was because um, it happened on a play where it was basically a fourteen-point swing play. 
Because the next play was very nearly a touchdown for TCU. They scored two plays later. Yeah. So he was the guy that was, my friend was the guy that was running down the sideline with the TCU running back that didn't call him out of bounds soon enough. Oh, right, right. He was way off on that. He was standing right there. Anyway, sorry. Well, I don't, it, I don't mean to. <laughs> here's the thing. I don't know what it's like to try to judge when sure. somebody goes out of bounds when you're trying to run full sprint to keep up with them. Yeah, well, you're also trying not to run into somebody yeah. or something that's... And just a few seconds prior was trying to, to calm Sonny Dykes down because he's like... They, they, they showed that replay several times on the sideline. He's like, Coach, I believe you. I just didn't see it. Yes. Okay, yeah. well, like... To, to what the point I was trying to make was like each official has like their assigned portion of the field they're looking at. Like he could be looking at the receivers running down the sideline, right? To see if like if they're out of bounds or watching for um, pass interference or holding or anything like that. So he, he could have his body completely turned away from the offensive line and see a helmet come flying in from nowhere. And he like, well, I see a helmet. I don't know what happened to get it there. I can't call a foul on it. I just don't know this how this is. I, I want everybody to know this is the most Spencer has or ever will defend an official. I, I just don't on know, this podcast. I just don't know how that could have happened on the other officials that probably had a, the assignment to be watching for that. So if you met if you met an official, you would just all, all of a sudden they're just uh, you know Mike Defee if he became your friend, uh, you would <sighs> you would defend. Well, you know he probably just missed it, guys. You know, he he really had something to say there. That's why he had to grab, grab him by the uh, by the jersey there. And I don't know. I, I'm, what I'm just saying is, <laughs> we we we've talked about this before, and I can't remember which game it was. I think it was last season against Houston. You know what? It was probably the same crew because I I think it was something happened along his sideline as well. So maybe I'm just a I'm just a a Mark apologist, but <laughs> understandable, I guess. So here's the thing. He comes into our office clockwork every week, every Tuesday. He's a professional. He's a salesman, and we, we order a lot of stuff from him. Um, and we're probably one of his biggest clients. I understand why we're, we're a large organization. And he's been our rep for like 20-something years. So like mm-hmm. he, he comes up to Lubbock. He, he's, he's, he lives and works out of the Midland Odessa area, and we're one of his clients. He comes up every week. I have not seen him since football season started. But next time I see him, I'm going to ask him about that the TCA. Yeah, game. I'm sure you won't be the first one. Hey, man, what happened there? So uh, tell me, tell me about the helmet toss. All right. So for those that may be new to the show as listeners, first we want to thank you for joining us. Thanks for finding us, um, sticking with us. We are the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm Spencer Michael. You can follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel. You can follow me at punts suck two s's there in the middle and you can follow michael at michael underscore lbk if you're also somehow interested in a little more punishment you can read the things we occasionally write on staking the planes uh, stakingplanes.com fantastic texas tech blog managed and run by seth all sorts of other great content um, from basketball with dan and michael Labar, baseball with Michael Labar and Keith Patrick. Um, a lot of football content, obviously, from all of us. Um, then Brian and I, and I will throw in a beer post every now and then. Beer and local events, local happenings. Kyle is the statistician of the group. Um, who else am I leaving? And then uh, 
there's a weekly post where Seth and Travis get together and discuss everything that's been going on. So that's everybody over at Taking the Planes. Um, Michael, there was some some news this week. I don't know how best to tee this up in the transition of this. No, unfortunately, it's sad news, and I'm sure most of our listeners know about it, but I I wanted to at least touch base on uh, losing two great Red Raiders over the last few days uh, with E.J. Holland passing on Saturday at the age of 81, and then uh, just yesterday, we're recording on Tuesday, on Monday morning, Andre Emmett uh, was shot outside of his apartment. He was just 37. Uh, so I just, I kind of wanted to just throw some stuff around. Um. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Even with me being the correct age to know who Andre Emmett is, I wasn't a, a super big tech fan at that time. And of course, you know, Holub was well before my time. And, and I, I wanted to just kind of share some facts I've learned through the years about him. Uh, I think some of the most significant ones are that he started on both sides of the ball in two Super Bowls, which has never happened before. He started Super Bowl one as a linebacker and then started Super Bowl four as a center. And of course he played both positions at tech. He was there in 59 and 60. He was a two-time All-American center. Uh, He even finished 10th in the Heisman voting in 1960. Uh, He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's in the Kansas City Chiefs Football Hall of Fame. And he was the first number retired at tech number 55 and then just a random bit of uh trivia about how tough this guy was he had 20 surgeries in between the years 1957 and 1973 and those probably weren't very advanced surgeries i'm sure they weren't probably real real primitive and real, real rough on the body right and then he went back and played football um there's a lot of great great stories floating around uh, 1340. I know that Ryan Hyatt had some good stories about Holub and I believe, I believe it's Carson Robinson's dad on the Rob Rowe show who came on and had some good stories about him. Don Williams had a great article on Lubbock AJ Labar had a great post on staking the planes. So there's a lot of good things to check out there. Uh, obviously a guy that was thought very highly of, of, people here he was from Lubbock graduated from Lubbock High and stayed a part of the tech program up until the you know up until the very end and was actually inducted into the ring of honor in 2012 at the Jones so a big loss and you know on top of that 
losing Andre Emmett, who a lot of a lot of guys kind of my age and stuff remembered firsthand. And Kyle Jacobson had a great piece on staking the plains. I'm not going to say much about it because I want y'all to go read it. So go look it up. And he talks about being a he was actually a ball boy with with the Toros um, on one of the years that that Emmett was there and and talks about that experience. Um, but on that post, he, he, uh, he posted a video of the slam dunk championship that I think the McDonald's all American slam dunk, I forget what year was. Oh, four, I guess, uh, Emmett's last year. And what was cool about it was, I mean, one, he dominated. I think he got a perfect score, which I don't know it ever happened. And two, at the very end, he, he ended it with just, you know, he had his arm around some kids, some fans, and he just said, you know, Dre loves the kids. And he has a foundation that he had started called Dreams Really Exist Foundation that he's a, he was a big part of and, you know, created. Uh, he was a father himself. Uh, I mean, he, was, he dominated at, at Tech. He had 1,451 points in his junior and senior years. He was a two-time Big 12 scoring champion. He made the all Big 12 first team three years in a row, which I don't think anyone's ever done. And he leaded, uh, he led all scorers with 2,556 points. Oh, I can't even read my writing. I'm sorry, guys. It's either 2,256 or 2,556. It's a very large number. Mm-hmm. And his pro career, you know, he kind of, he was everywhere. He was overseas. I think he spent some time with the Grizzlies and, and the Nets. Uh, but he had recently landed in the big three league where uh, you've got three on three, a lot of former uh, pro players. Well, I mean, they're all pro players and his team was called threes company, which I think was, was really great. And he was in, in talks for winning the MVP of that league this year. So he was just, he was doing really well. And uh, you know, you hate to see that happen to, to anyone. And especially when, when he's one of us, it, it just sure. hurts that much more. But I just kind of, I didn't know if you had more to add Spencer. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kind of take over there, but it was, no, no. So I he, just had all these facts and things that were so interesting about these guys. And I wanted to celebrate them and, and, and try to get them out there. So Emmett played before my fandom for Texas tech started. I don't have much historical knowledge really on, on either of these players, but um, it's obviously a sad situation when somebody is one murdered, but to like such a relatively young age and like you had just said he had just become a, a father. Um, and it's just, you know, that much more for, for Texas tech fans as he was a, a great red Raider. So, yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> hate to hear that about these mm-hmm. guys and we hope that, uh, the families can cope as best as they can through these difficult situations. Yeah. So to move on, however way that we can, (laughs) it's never like an easy one to move on from, but there was some news that broke this afternoon that Narens Odiase and the Phoenix Suns have reached an agreement to sign a rookie to to sign uh, Odiase to a training camp contract. Um, He would be the second Texas Tech Red Raider to be joining the Phoenix Suns as he is, um, as Phoenix signed Tariq Owens to an Exhibit 10 contract earlier this year. Yeah. So congrats to Norrence Odiase for continuing his, his, um, 
pursuit of playing professionally um, with the Phoenix Suns. I know. I wonder. That's that's what's that's what's cool about the NBA. It seems like there's just kind of always a connection to somebody because. Mm. I thought Mooney worked out with the Suns too at some point. And I wonder if that was partially because Owens was there and he's with the Hawks now, right? Mooney. Um, you know, I've got to look that up. It's okay. I I think, (laughs) I think he, I know he was with the Hawks at some point, but I don't know if that's where he, he landed for sure. All right. So while you look that up, uh, yeah, it is the Hawks June 21st. Okay. Thanks. Um, before we get into football, uh, we just want to let you guys not like in on anything just yet, but be aware there could be some changes coming to the 23 Personnel Podcast. We're pretty excited about it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it besides yeah. you would notice a change and we would notice a change Yeah, in our pockets. <laughs> might, be, might be reading some ads. There, there may be some, some sponsorships coming down the road but before we ever get to any of that we will preview the game this weekend against Oklahoma Sooners we had Jay from Red Dirt Sport join us for a an interview a preview um, and then we'll obviously get to your questions um, do a little going yard everybody's favorite segment <laughs> and what we learned but before football before we talk football We've got to do our intro. That's right. We got to get it going. They go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. Touchdown. With Tom. Delivered. Picked off. Demarcus Fields down the sideline. Touchdown. Red Raiders. 97 yards. Harrell back to throw. Going deep down the sideline for Robert Johnson. And oh, my. You got it. Touchdown. Oh. Robert Johnson, touchdown, Red Raider. Take a shot to the end zone. It's a touchdown to Reginald Davis. All day to throw. Over the top, Jakeem Graham. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Second down now. Deep strike. Got the big man. Country pulls free. And touchdown, Red Raiders. With a second to go. The scoring begin. Okay, so we want to welcome in Jay from Red Dirt Sport. He joined us last season to do our Oklahoma preview, um, and we will get to our our interview with him in, I guess, right now. All right, buddy, we are joined this week by Jay from Red Dirt Sport to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. Jay, thanks for carving up some time with us tonight. Hey, you're welcome. Anytime. So... I think a lot of tech fans are a little, I would say, um, concerned <laughs> or anxious about this game. Well, I, I don't know if they're, they're so much anxious as they've kind of conceded the fact that this is going to possibly get pretty ugly. Um, the the one thing I've heard from, from some Texas Tech fans that are holding out for some hope are saying that maybe Oklahoma hasn't played anybody yet and we haven't seen them be really tested. What have you seen from the Sooners so far in this three games when they just looked unstoppable? Like, I think that's an incredibly valid concern uh, because the teams we played, you know, obviously, like, records are what their records are. They're just not very good teams so far. 
Um, so you just kind of had to look at Oklahoma versus um, themselves or versus past versions of the team. Um, and this team offensively, even though it's racking up incredible numbers offensively, the offensive line is nowhere near as good as uh, it was last year. So there's concern along the offensive line on the left-hand side. Um, and there's, you know, some ongoing concern about that leading into the running game being dominated by Hertz. Um, defensively, uh, we're kind of a little bit high on the cattle, high on the hat right now. But we played good defensively last year and out of conference play. Um, so going into Big 12 play, the defense and the offensive line are major concerns. So as, as this is a, a first conference game for both Texas Tech and Oklahoma, um, I'm, I'm not sure what, what Texas Tech fans are expecting to be able to learn f- from this game. Um, from from a Sooner standpoint, where, where are you looking for, for improvement or, or what are you looking at to kind of gauge how well Oklahoma is doing this season? Um, we, just to getting into conference play, um, we were looking forward to this matchup uh, with Bowman particularly because we know he can stretch the field a little bit. Um, and so his injury situation kind of – you know, took some wind out of our sails because we were really counting on this to like be a kind of a, a watershed moment and see how far we've come defensively. So now, um, you know, with all due respect to uh, Duffy and the Rice transfer, uh, we're kind of looking at it as we need to be sure the offensive line's coming together uh, this week and next week before we head into Texas. And then it's sort of like we're the view is we're sort of really we're really untested defensively until we head into uh, the Red River shootout right now. So it's with the Bowman injury news kind of, you know, it, it certainly impacts your season, but it's impacted our season, too, because we're, you know, we want to win this game and we want to beat Kansas. We want to get into Texas, but like we're so we're going to be so untested going into that game. We don't know what we have. Sure. So from a a Texas tech fan standpoint, one Matt Wells hasn't really said one way or the other who will, will play quarterback. He's kind of hinted that maybe both will play. Um, I I know a lot of Texas tech fans have a preference on who they'd want to see. um, Especially when you consider Jackson Tyner, the, the, the transfer in from rice, like he didn't even start at Rice before he transferred out, um, and I think he's completed maybe one pass for Texas Tech, and it was in a, some some garbage time. Everybody wants to see Jet Duffy come in and, and kind of change up the offense, but from a Texas Tech offensive standpoint, where do you think they could have su- some success, um, whether it's on the ground or, or through the air? Where do you think the weakest point of the the Sooner defense would be? Right now, it's going to be. Uh nickelback and safety like i mean it's that's that's the weak point uh corners are playing a little bit better um so like it's really if you're able to stretch the field at all um trying to get deep passes that's um really the weak point of the defense right now um we really we're kind of 
sort of really happy with uh, how our front seven has performed because they're just way, way more aggressive than they have been since any time since really uh, Brent Venables left because um, Mike didn't play that attacking style uh, front seven defense. He was more of a read and react. Grinch lets the boys like pin their ears back a little bit. So like it's still very much a secondary concern uh, with deep shots and slants and covering those kinds of plays. Okay. So outside of obviously Jalen hurts, who is, who is the, well, no, sorry. Let's say on the sooner defense for a second. I think most people would be probably familiar with uh, your linebacker, Kenneth Murray, Outside of Murray, who would you say Red Raider fans should be on the lookout for as somebody that would be disruptive in the defense? Um, if he's having a good game, then the OU defense is probably going to be pr- pretty solid. Who would that be outside of Murray? Outside of Murray, you really need to pay attention to two people in particular, and one of them will be Jalen Redman. Um, he was a defensive end, outside linebacker, kind of tweener prospect in high school former basketball player who didn't play last year uh, because of blood clotting issues he had an injury to his lower leg and it was a really scary situation for him Um, but it wasn't it's not a genetic condition so he was allowed to come back Uh, so he's one that you know in that front seven who's starting to play a little bit he flashes all the time and the other one, um, that's going to be Ronnie Perkins. Um, he is an all-everything player um, outside, comes comes in from Missouri. He'll play um, multiple positions on the defensive line. Um, we're, how we view, how we use defensive line. Um, he'll come in inside, outside on occasion. But he is just, like, if you – Type his name into YouTube. You'll find some players where you think, all right, that's a guy who should play, be playing defense for Oklahoma. Like He flashes. He, he'll he be an NFL draft pick next year if he chooses to come out. Okay. So really the, the, the three guys would be guys that are up front in your defense as part of the front yep. seven, kind of setting the tone for the defense? Yep. Okay. Um so let's flip over to the offense uh, for a second. Um, I think Texas Tech fans are excited about seeing some progress on the Red Raider defensive side. Um, I think it started last year with the emergence of our, our linebackers, especially Dakota Allen. But this year you've got Jordan Brooks and uh, Rico Jeffers. Um, matching up against the, the Oklahoma offense is, is no small task, obviously. Um, with, with Jalen Hurts being all-world everything, whether it's a passer or a rusher. Um, and then, you know, past him in terms of rushing, you've got three running backs that are all really close in carries and all really close in, in yards. Where do you think, if Texas Tech defensively is going to have s- some success, where would they be getting that against the Oklahoma offense? On stuffing the run, especially on early downs. Um, left side of the offensive line, um, we have a offensive tackle who's got a bit of a bomb arm, uh, Eric Swenson. Um, he's playing through it. Uh, like there will be opportunities for, you know, to stuff the run a little bit. Like 
get those kind of good, you know, get to third down and long or third and five, those opportunities are presenting itself this year because just the offensive line is not as good as it has been. You know, we're replacing four starters. Um, so it the opportunity certainly is there. Like, if you want to make some, you know, progress – thinking about progress on that offensive-defensive line battle or, and maybe, like, stopping the run a little bit. There's opportunities there. So how how is – I mean, Texas Tech fans are, are obviously well aware of Lincoln Riley. How is he being able – how has he been able to, to plug and play these three back-to-back quarterbacks that have just, just stepped right in and, and done so well? Like it, it's the system. Like I have no qualm saying it's a system, because he 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 designs everything in such a way where the defense has no choice but to leave an area of the field either unopened or covered in a severe mismatch. Um, so how he schemes against defensive coordinators. They're damned if they do, damned if they don't. So it's totally a system. Like anyone who says it's not a system is lying. Um, but he's just like he's such an offensive-oriented person. Like I can't think of how he does this spatially. Like when he looks at a defense, he knows what the defensive coordinator is likely to do, and so he just counterplays it. You know, through tendencies and through kind of setting up plays like in the beginning of the game <laughs> and that he just schemes it like and that's kind of the issue with him is that it's not so much the good plays but you we all have this kind of feeling of Lincoln he's good for one or two series a game where he just kind of outthinks himself and that's just kind of how he is. Like it's just he he he'll outthink himself so much that we'll have a few drives a game where you're just like, "What the heck was that play call?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it, sometimes he's too smart for his own good. Is <laughs> basically our feelings on Lincoln. Sure. Okay. So same question I asked about your defense on the offense outside of Jalen Hurts. If this person's having a good game, the offense is doing well. Who would that be? I mean, is it one of okay, the, uh, this, uh, this, of the this running backs, really, or or is it one of the, like is it Charleston Rambo or CD Lamb, or is it just like anybody can go off and and just have a great day? Like I don't want to be a dick or anything, <laughs> but it's kind of like it's a pick your poison situation. If I'd say. Outside of Hertz, if C.D. Lamb has four catches for 100 yards, you're having a bad day because everything else is open. Um, like if he has a good day receiving the ball, Katie bar the door, everything's working because he he's good for you know two or three catches a game, but if he has five or six catches, um, multiple touchdowns it's a bad day for tech. Yeah. So through three games, um, CD lamb has, has nine receptions. If, 
and 229 yards. So he's averaging 25 yards a catch. If, if he's got six catches, I mean, he's pushing 150. If he just yeah. keeping with his average. Um, yeah, I, I, there's there's nobody that I, I look at the offensive side for, for the Sooners and say, if you take away this person, you've got a great shot because say it's Hurts, right? Say you, you limit him on the ground. You've got the three running backs behind him that have combined for nearly, what's that, 800 yards themselves? Right. Um, if you stop Charleston Rambo, then you've got C.D. Lamb. If you stop Lamb, you've got Rambo, or you've got you know guys on the inside like Basquin or Calcaterra. I mean, it just to, – to go back to what you said, I mean, if you take away one person, you're not going to – I don't think Oklahoma is going to really feel it if you just get one person. You have to get like the offense is going to have to have an off day, or they're going to have to be turning the ball over more than they have so far. Um, special teams for Tech are going to have to be you know really solid and force Oklahoma to drive the length of the field. Although we saw last week against Arizona, they were able to do uh, nearly 200 yards in two drives against us um, towards the end of the game when, when the defense was gas. I don't know how long the defense of stamina will uphold in Norman. Um, I'm, I'm willing to bet it, it doesn't last as long as it did in, in Arizona. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't know where you look against the sooner offense and say, if you focus on this guy, you, you've got a great shot. So um, right now the line is creeping up. I think it's uh, Oklahoma minus 25 or 25 and a half. Personally, I think that feels a little low. What's your read on the game, and 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 give us a, a prediction for how Saturday Saturday morning is going to go for the Sooners? Um, like looking at the game, like like I said earlier, I was really looking forward to the game because I thought, you know, Alan Bowman coming in, um, and I was really excited about Matt Wells, but some of the seems like some of the offense is stuttering on the install for Tech. Um, coming in with the new staff, which is should be normal. Um, I think the line is probably about right because I fully expect Tech to score some points, um, if not early, um, probably late. Um, so I was thinking something probably along the lines of 49-24, like right on the line, maybe like a little bit higher, 56, 24, something like that. Um, I, I think the line is pretty spot on for how I think the teams match up. Well, all right, man. We will, we'll see how this goes down this weekend. Um, I, I think we've seen enough ads to know the game will be on Fox at 11. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the tech fans are a little frustrated, but I, I, there's not really you can not much you can do. And you know the the ad plays for 30 seconds in the first 25 seconds. Or let's let's go watch the the Sooners. Let's go watch Jalen Hurts take on Texas Tech. Let's go watch the Sooners. <laughs> um, so yeah. so I want I want to thank you for your time, Jay. Uh, good luck to the Sooners this weekend, and we will catch you next time, possibly next season. We'll see. <laughs> All right, thank you, Spencer. All right, man, thanks. All right, we want to thank Jay from Red Dirt Sport for joining us. Michael, outlook for this weekend, not so rosy. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, yeah. thanks, Jay. By the way, I didn't actually say that yet. And follow him at Red Dirt Sport on the Twitter. Um, 
yeah, it's it confirms a lot of things that we were worried about anyway. And I think that the questions you asked him and the way you framed him and the way he answered them, both of you guys kind of know how this game's going to go. And I, I mean, think for, both of you feel the same way about it. For a team coming into a game as talented and as favorite as Oklahoma is, Jay is like real, like a real down-to-earth guy. Yeah. Like he's not like rolling your face douchey about it, but he also did say not to be a dick. But if you if this doesn't <laughs> yeah. work, you're going to be in, in trouble. Good luck. Good yeah. luck trying to stop. Which is fine. It, it's, All it's un- six of these offensive <laughs> weapons. It's kind of understood. But there were a couple things that, that came up in our conversation that I want to touch on. One, um, one area of, of concern for Jay for, for the, the Sooners would be the offensive line. He said specifically on the left side, one of their players, he said is playing with a bum arm. Yeah, I um, saw that. So your defensive line uh, and or linebackers may be able to to get in there and, and d- disrupt some things, whether it's the passing game by um, creating a little pressure on Jalen Hurts or blowing up a run every now and then. Um, it's difficult, though, because of the just the caliber of, of athletes they have. Um, he said, uh, obviously, you just listened to that, but if Texas Tech is going to have success on the defensive side, it's going to be because the offensive line isn't playing all that well. Right. And that, that's something we can hang our hat on. Uh, you know, I, I believe it is it Howard who plays on that side. Usually I think it's Washington. It's Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is where I, I think you would feel more confident. I would think the most confident is uh, you've got Roger Washington on that side of the line that he's pointed to as struggling so far. And he can really disrupt some things for sure mm-hmm. on his own. Uh, that's something you can hang your hat on. A, a couple of the things that were interesting to me were the, his, uh, his kind of lack of confidence in the nickel position and just their safety position. So the middle of the field, he didn't feel like that was a, a place that their defense really shined. And of course, you know, their defense, they've got a new coach. They're going through some growing pains themselves and, he was really looking forward to Bowman slinging it around to try to get the corners some work and see how they're actually going to do. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was, that's a, that's a, uh, an interesting take to be disappointed that the starting QB is not going to make the trip. I, I was going to say, I've never actually heard an opponent disappointed that they weren't going to get your starting quarterback. Yeah. But that's a luxury you can have when you're, when a, you're OU talented as Oklahoma <laughs> is. Um, so that means the middle of the field could essentially be open, well, which is something that we've been harping of, on for weeks now. I was about to say, that's what we've talked about. I think going into Oklahoma, not Oklahoma against uh, Arizona, we said the seams should be open. Sure, yeah. Um, and you completed, you had some success over the middle, whether it was McLean Mannix or TJ Vasher coming across the middle. Um, Maybe even rigged in a time or two. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't ever, it wasn't consistent. Like much of that game was inconsistent for you. Um, but yeah, I don't, where do you want to go? Do you want to talk about the Oklahoma offense? Man, I, I really think that's where we, we've got to go. I, I did want to point out one other thing from Jay that I found really interesting and I think he's right. He basically said, you know, CD lamb has four catches. You're having a bad day <laughs> and, and you are because, because check this out. People. He's averaging like 25 yards a catch. He is. He has, um, he only has nine receptions for the year. And of those nine receptions, he's gained 229 yards and three touchdowns. 
So every third pass he's caught has been a touchdown. And every third pass he's caught, or no, every pass he's caught has been an average of uh, 25.4 yards per catch. That's too much. Yeah. So you can't get, <laughs> you can't get the ball to him, but uh, let's, let's just, let's skip over Jalen Hurts right now. <laughs> But I, I kind of want to go into some total. Let's completely ignore yeah, let's, potential let, Heisman let's winner. Let's ignore the potential Heisman <laughs> winner for a second. Because their, their offense is just a juggernaut. I mean, sure, you can take into account, all right, Houston's not that great. They just lost to Tulane. South Dakota, they poured 70 on them. They went on the road and just trounced UCLA, who somehow, some way, got a comeback win over um, St. Leach the other day. Okay, oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Because you brought this up. Just really briefly, can we talk about all the, the, the Leech fans that came unearthed on Saturday? And oh. Like, I miss Leech. Look at that. Look how much fun that is. And like, you lost. Too soon, bro. When you threw for nine touchdowns they were 700 yards. They were tweeting and, and Facebook posting at 1030 and 1130, and they should have stayed up for the rest of the game. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> but right, okay, sorry. No, what what I wanted to point out really quickly was um, just the just the total stats from OU, and this is after three games. They've only played three games, so a lot of these FBS teams have played four. Mm-hmm. But after only three games, OU is number one in total offense. They're just no- total yards. Yeah, they're number two in scoring offense at fifty five point seven points per game. They're number seven in passing offense, which seems kind of, you know, I thought they'd be higher than that, but the reason they're not is because they're number two in rushing offense at 324.3 yards per game at... How, how, how many yards per carry is that? 8.32 <laughs> yards per carry, my friend. Ouch. Uh, and they they split a lot of those rushing attempts with three running backs of course their well, leading and, rusher and hurts is hurts but the three running backs you know I, I read an article today where they're really proud of the fact that they're able to keep these guys carries down and keep their workload down but uh, Trey Sermon has received the majority of the carries 27 carries 198 yards one touchdown 7.3 yards per carry oh um, he's he's he rushes for the least yards per carry yeah, yeah, of the running the backs at 7.3. And then rotated in the number two spot is Kennedy Brooks. 17 carries, 177 yards, one TD, 10.4 yards per carry. The man averages a first down when he gets the ball. And then uh, transfer, Ramondre Stevenson, 21 carries, 182 yards, three TDs, 8.7 yards per carry. So for those that just listened to my uh, – conversation with Jay, I did that math incorrectly and I, I quickly added up that that was 800 yards of rushing between those three. No, it's 600 yards. Um, or just, it, just under 600 yards of rushing between those three running backs. Yeah. Um, at what's that? Like eight and a half yards per carry. Oh, it, it averaged out. Oh man. Just the running backs. So yeah. like this is, these see. are the, like when Hertz decides he's going to take a playoff and not throw it and not run it himself, the OU offense is still getting about eight and a half yards per, per eight, touch. 8.8. Yeah. That was in my head. Yeah, you were right there, man. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not confident about stopping <laughs> anything of the offense. Like, it, the ground game specifically is, is what concerns me. Yeah. Yes, they, they have athletes outside, um, but we've seen teams, if they're able to run the ball at will, there's no reason to throw it. 
if if Oklahoma is is um, gaining you know eight point eight yards per carry from a running back or nine point eight yards per carry from Hertz, there's really no reason to throw the ball, except like I'm tired of messing around. Let's just go score now. Well, that's what's crazy about all <laughs> this because I thought, you know, I I didn't realize you see all the points that they're putting up and you think that they're going to have way more yards in the air or way more pass attempts. But I mean, let me throw some Hertz stats to you now. We don't need to read all of these. If y'all go to our post, you can see there's a, there's quite a few I'm probably going to leave out, but just for comparison's sake, Hertz through three games has only thrown the ball 61 times. Which would be one like a game for a Texas Tech quarterback. Yeah, Bowman has thrown for comparison one hundred and fifty four passes in three games, and almost, almost exactly three times as much. Yeah, uh, Bowman of course was he's only sixty five point six percent accurate, but Hertz is eighty point three percent accurate, including his first game, his first game against Houston as a Sooner. He had three incompletions and three touchdowns. He had the same amount of incompletions. Three passing touchdowns. Three passing touchdowns. He also had three rushing touchdowns. He had six total touchdowns. Uh, so to, to go back to what Spencer was saying, the man can pass the ball. And this is something that Matt Wells pointed out too, is this is a much it, it, turning into a much more dangerous version of a Khalil Tate type guy. I think his running style is different, but I, you can't just rush him and hope that he's going to mess up. I don't know if he's going to. If he's completing 80% of his passes, he has the highest efficiency in the country by 25 points. <laughs> Number two is the kid from LSU. Uh, his, I think his efficiency was 225, Joe Burrow, and then uh, Hertz was 250. Hey, do you remember that time when I got on the radio and said that Jalen Hurts wasn't going to be a number one <laughs> Was it going to be in the Heisman conversation? Yeah. <laughs> I do I do that, vaguely remember that. This was pre-game one, and I was stupid enough to say that. So if you project his stats, or I'm I'm tracking one thing, is the number of incompletions. In game one, he had three incompletions. Game two, he had four. Game three, he had five. He's on track to have six incompletions this on week. Pace. On, on pace. On pace for six. <laughs> Most incompletions all year in a game, six. He might go twelve for eighteen. He's all like the most attempts he's had is in that first game twenty three. So if he throws the ball twenty three times and has six incompletions, he'll still be seventeen of twenty (laughs) three. Well, it which is probably what like seventy percent. Yeah. Well, before I get to, I'm gonna I'll I'll try to quit praising Hurts too much, but well, hold on. Like Bowman has more passing yards. That's true. By but, 140. Yes. But Hertz <laughs> is also the number two rusher in the country, averaging 9.8 yards per carry. He's rushed 38 times for 373 yards. So by that stat, he's number two in the country on yards per carry. It's crazy. To go along with his number one passing efficiency rating, which you already talked yeah, about. Yeah, so that's, a, that's as dual of a dual threat as you can possibly imagine. And obviously, we, we don't know who Texas Tech is going to roll out there for starting quarterback. Right. It right. may not matter if the offensive line isn't gelling as well as we would hope. Um, it may not matter if we're 
turning the ball over, um, or if the defense just wears down because Oklahoma is just going to run it for eight, nine, ten yards a carry. Um, so, Michael, you want to get to our proje- predictions? <sighs> yeah. I, you want so me to go first, or do you want to go first? I think the line started at 24. I think it's up to 27 at this point. Because when, when I talked to Jay, I think it was 25. And then I, I checked it this morning. It was up to 27. I was like, dang, that was a big jump. <laughs> um, so he thinks the 20, about the 25, 27 point range is about right. Um, he has more, he thinks Texas Tech will be able to score more on the Oklahoma defense than I think either one of us would project. And I think it's because he probably doesn't. Because we've watched all three of these games. <laughs> Well, that and I, I think he's he's kind of. It seems like he's still projecting a um, a Bowman led offense where it's I don't know twenty eighteen Bowman. Although he did see um, both Allen Bowman and Jet Duffy last season against Oklahoma. That's right. Um, where Jet Duffy had one of his better games of the season. Um, I just I don't think. Texas Tech is going to score into the 20s. Um, so I I think like Oklahoma will cover. Uh, I don't know what the over-under is. Um, if it's greater than 65, then I'm going to say under. Only because Oklahoma is going to probably possess the ball a whole lot longer uh, than you will. And I think the score will be something like 52 to 13. Okay. The official, the official line is 72 is what I've seen on uh, I, odd shark. I would probably go under. What's the math on what you just said? 52. Th- yeah. You'd have to be under. That's six, 65. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think ours are going to even out because I think mine's 66 total. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, this offense has really struggled, especially the last two games. I know that it may not have been as evident against UTEP, but it sure seemed evident to us that they were missing a lot of opportunities and just not not moving the ball like you expect to see against such an opponent. And then, of course, that came back to really bite you in the butt when you are in Arizona against an actual school that has some Power 5 athletes. And then you it just gets uh, compounded, really. So the fact that they were only able to put up 14 in that game, I really have the same trouble you do that, you know, predicting that they're going to break the 20s in Norman against one of the best teams in the country. Yes, their defense has seen – they've been through some trials and tribulations, and there's some there's some things to expose there probably, but I don't know if Tech will be able to do it. And I know that Tech's going to be playing two quarterbacks. We know that for a fact. We don't know who's going yeah, to start, I mean, like you said. It, it, it could be either the graduate transfer from Rice that didn't get a lot of playing time at Rice that he's transferred from, or the quarterback that I think most people would want to see but have has come out of fall camp as the number three quarterback yeah. two years in a row. And who I'm, I'm concerned with, you know, with uh, Jay talking so highly of the of OU's front seven, that's kind of who Duffy likes to throw interceptions to. Just kind of lob him towards a linebacker sometimes. So I, I don't feel great well, about that <laughs> that matchup. Me. 
can, can I just point out in my research, I, and this is, it's not really a comparison between Duffy and Bowman that we're trying to make now. We're not trying to say Duffy should start over Bowman or whatever. No, sure. But when you compare Duffy and Bowman stats, and I'm <clears throat> cherry picking here, but I'm, I'm taking Bowman versus Power Five because that's who Duffy played against was all Power Five, all conference opponents. Um, except for like I think three attempts versus Houston for for, for Duffy, they had the same number of, of turnovers, the yeah. exact same number of turnovers, the exact same number of, of touchdowns, the same number of interceptions or same number of turnovers, total turnovers. So really, okay, Bowman threw more interceptions that had less fumbles, but f- had fewer fumbles. Whereas yeah. Duffy, I think D- Duffy threw five interceptions and lost three fumbles. Whereas Bowman threw seven interceptions and lost one fumble. Okay. Okay. So like you said, it just about evened out. It evened out that they had the same number of total turnovers, same number of total touchdowns rushing versus passing. Bowman had more yards, total yards. Yeah. Duffy had more yards per play, whether it was rushing or passing. Well, I think that so our, like our perceptions are off. I, I, I It's hard to keep, it's it's hard to have a good gauge of what's going on when you have one quarterback who played a half and another quarterback who played another. And it wasn't because of, oh, we just want to make a change and see what's happening. No, it was because of a devastating injury mm-hmm. that left him sidelined for a long time. And then, you know, you can question, well, maybe he came back too soon in Ames or, or, or whatever you want to think about. But I think that's what's throwing the perception off is a lot of people, they remember – that Duffy was they, turnover yeah. prone, but Bowman they, was Bowman the was same too. Number. Bowman's and thrown three picks this year. I'm not sure what what fueled that perception. Maybe it's because Bowman's turnovers were spread out over more game. Like, sorry, like Bowman played in more games right. than Duffy did. He had more touchdowns. I think everybody felt pretty good about the beginning of the season when he he came in, did pretty well against Ole Miss, um, just destroyed. Houston destroyed Lamar. They had those two games. Like, man, Bowman's pretty dang good for coming as a true freshman yeah. uh, backup. Whereas Duffy comes in, you already kind of have a negative taste in your mouth from the, the suspension, and he's been on campus for a few years and never really done anything. And then in desperate times, he's he creates some turnovers, and those stick with you. Now, I, I don't have the, the numbers or whatever to t- say. Duffy's turnovers came at more detrimental times than Bowman. So like, like, you know, Bowman may have thrown two arm punts to end a half, whereas Duffy's were at the end of a drive where you were about to score to tie or take the lead like against Texas, for instance, where like they even out on the, on the stat sheet, like as an interception, but Duffy's obviously were a lot more impactful to the outcome of the game. Whereas Bowman's could have been, the equivalent of an arm punt. I don't have that to, to say one way or the other. I just I think that maybe what helps people feel a lot more better about Bowman, or feel that Duffy is a lot more turnover prone. When the stats suggest, if you look at similar competition, which actually should should help Bowman, right? If you take out, you would think, you would think you know, the, the 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 cupcakes. It's they're so similar. Except for total yards and yards per play, what? So anyways. I was I was going to ask you a, a Michael Scott question. Uh, what is the most crucial thing about turnovers? 
that you timing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, I, I don't think I ever gave my score prediction. I, no, you didn't. I'm sorry. I'm with you. Our scores are very similar. Uh, my only caveat is um, I, I think OU is going to end up with 49. TTU 17. That's what I'm throwing out there right now. OU covers. Um, it's the under on the total, as we mm. discussed before. And I don't even know if I could see it. You know, Tech only having three or ten points going into the going into halftime. I think if they get 17, they'll have a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. That's yeah. not really gonna. It, you know, we don't want to be downers, but it's it is what it is. I, to man, I don't want to use that phrase too much either. But it's just you also haven't been this heavy of an underdog in like almost a decade. I don't think I realized that. It's like it's like you were a twenty six point underdog to some other team, and it may have been the the, the two thousand eleven OU game. I don't I can't remember that would when they make were number sense. one, and you were on the road, and you would just this was one of Tuberville's for just come off two losses second year, yeah. So yeah. You, you weren't looking good then. Um, so to get you ready for that game this weekend, uh, you can catch Rob Bro, Carson Robinson, and Michael McDonald on the count in the kickoff. I will be absent this weekend. Um, you can catch this this weekend show. It's going to be it's going to start a little bit later than normal. It's going to start two hours before kickoff and go all the way up until kickoff. So it'll be nine to eleven a.m. on Saturday. Uh, you can listen to that uh, on thirteen forty a.m. You can stream it online at kkam.com or through the Talk thirteen forty app. Um, and because I will be out of town without any kind of self-cell service and Michael doesn't want to do this by himself, there will be no instant reaction podcast. This <laughs> I don't know week. how. I don't even know how to upload it. I, I'll leave all this equipment set up right here. You just have to come over here and hit record. How about that? And just leave it on my table this just, whole time? Just spread out for a week. <laughs> well, Samantha loves it when I do that, by the way. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. I'm sure my two-year-old would love to, to turn some knobs. And then, yeah, we'll never get it back. <laughs> It was like there's 1,800 knobs on this it's thing. It's fine. They'll be um, fine. So you can, if you're interested in following Rob Bro or Carson Robinson, you can follow Rob Bro at Rob Bro Show, uh, B-R-E-A-U-X. Uh, Carson Robinson is at Car Rob, K-A-R-R-O-B underscore radio. You can follow Tucker at Tucker Lawrence and the station at Talk 1340. Michael. Yeah. Are you ready to get into some questions? You bet I am. Nope. Not ready just yet. Oh, okay. Well, I, I wasn't. Uh, I was just kidding. Okay. I'm ready now, though. Oh, I, I think I'm ready. Okay. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm on Burgundy. Damn it. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Right. If we can ever just get our producer in line to hit the the right buttons at the right times. Get what you pay for, man. I know. We've got some good questions. A couple of good questions. And Ryan Hyatt tweeted out a, a really great one that got a lot of interaction. I don't know if we'll be able to read everybody's tweets, but... So I'm going to go back tease that one uh, and go to Alan Corbin's question. He called on the show today. Um, he, he asked over under on jet Dovey play action, touchdown passes, play action, t- 
touchdown passes, not just passes. And he okay. said what one he said and a half. Line. One and a half. I'm going to take the wow. under hard. I'm going to hammer the under. I would think the under too because I think play action, he's going to keep it. He's going to keep it and he's going to roll out and then he's going to run. I think there's a better chance of a play action touchdown run than a play action touchdown pass. Does that could that be a possible thing? Possibly. Um, would you would you take the over or under on a one and a half total touchdowns play action touchdown? I'd still take the under. That's, run. that's far too specific. It's a like, good question though. It's a good if, thing to think about. You know they're going to run it. If my projection is thirteen points, <laughs> one and a half on total touchdowns. Like, I'm taking the under if 13 is. I could technically take the over, but in my scenario, it would be a late-game touchdown where uh, Duffy may not even be in or something crazy could happen on a handoff, muffed punt, that kind of touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would take the under on that. That's a good line, though. That's a good question. Okay. Sorry. I'm Especially having- when we don't know how much he's going to play. Sure, it, it could be 80% Jackson Tyner. Yeah. Um, I'm having issues with Verizon cell service right now, but I did get this. Brian asks, when folding a towel, do you go hamburger, then hot dog, or hot dog, then hamburger? Okay, here's what I do. This <laughs> is riveting stuff. I take the towel. Uh, the towel is... It's vertical. long ways. Vertical. It's long... Okay. <laughs> so I fold it... Hot dog. Wait, wait. So hot dog would be if you folded the two sides together. No, that's ham. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. I said the wrong thing. I fold it hamburger. I fold a hamburger again. And then I do the trifold. Ooh, tricky. Yeah. So I, my wife and I fold them differently and it drives both of us insane. Actually, I, I don't so think it bothers do her. It bothers me. Yeah, Samantha and I fold towels differently. She doesn't do the trifold. She just does like a... I don't do a trifold, but the way I have it folded, it's... This is not on purpose. It's just how I learned, but like it's set up where it's folded and put on the shelf that you can just grab the towel and pull it off and it's ready to go onto the hanger where hers is folded all nice and neat, but when you pull it off the shelf, you have to completely unfold it to get it on the towel rod. And that drives me. I was like, why do I have to unfold the towel to hang it up so what i do is i also hold it vertically mm-hmm. and i fold it vertically so hot dog first okay so it's it's real long and thin it's yes. tall and thin yes and then i fold it twice hamburger style so it's it's pretty much a twice, square twice. yeah i'm okay. done with it but when you pull it off the shelf it's ready to just be you un you do like a one unfold and it's hanging on your towel rod. I like the trifold because it makes it fluffier. No, it, for sure it looks nice. Yeah, it looks sharp. Jazz weighed in. She said hamburger than hot dog, so she's with you. Well, no, no, because I do hamburger hamburger trifold. I fold it twice. Brian says his gym does that too, and now I'm feeling in the wrong. <laughs> I, I I may have to try this. I may have to, to switch up how I fold. Um, I think the next thing you is... You said hamburger, hamburger, trifold. Yeah. So th- they must all be on like you were... Well, here's here's what happened. I, I retweeted this saying, you know, we're about to start our podcast. Uh, sure, sure. You know, send, send some more questions. And um, Ryan Hyatt saw that and he tweeted out... Oh, because he doesn't do that. He like... He quote tweeted me with a question... 
It's just helpful because it doesn't show up in our notifications. I know. I'm trying to find it. I just had it. This is so terrible. This is great. Great job by me here. Great job by me. All right. He says, if you had to eat at one Lubbock fast food place exclusively for a full year, which one would it be? Bonus question. So think of this while you're thinking of that. Which menu item would you select if you could only have one item for a full year from said eatery? Go. So, and there's a ton of responses. There's a ton of people with responses. So I don't think we'll be able to read what everybody said, but y'all should go check them out. Rob bro's response was lone wolf nachos. Lone wolf was one of my, one of my wife's favorite places to go eat. She was really sad. The one day we went up, we drove up to lunch and it was closed and we thought it was just closed for the day. Rolled to the window. Lone wolf has permanently closed. She's like, Oh no, I have never eaten lone wolf. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it with, is without a, beer being involved. I'm about to say it. <laughs> I, I was it's, so shocked to find out that she, she was like rolling up there for lunch. <laughs> well, so it started. It started when we we moved when we lived out there. Right when we got married. We well, it's open those, 24 hours too. We lived in those apartments just outside the loop off 19th. Uh, they were oh, called yeah. Canyon West. I think they're called Metropolitan West now. Yeah, they real sh- not a great complex, but they weren't terrible. Bacon crust um, or something. There's always some new yeah. apartment name. But it, I think it was the closest non-chain restaurant. So there was like a there was like a Fazoli's and a Burger King. Oh, there's a Dairy just, Queen right there, just north of the complex. But if you got on the on Nineteenth Street, yeah, there's the, where the Dairy Queen is. There's also Arby's and then Lone Wolf. She's a fan of bean burritos. She got there, realized that was where her favorite bean burritos. Oh man, and we ate there a lot. She was like I said devastated the day it closed so connection to rob bro he said lone wolf nachos i too enjoy those lone wolf nachos those would not be my um one item i would order from a f- one place for a year we've got i mean a lot of great entries in here uh alan, alan corbin yeah, yeah he, taco he comes, villa combo burrito th- those are pretty good i just there's something about their meat that like it's just off oh man i like i like the villa uh paul with the three chili dogs and onions from derwiner schnitzel <laughs> A lot of Whataburger. A lot of it's, it's really split between Whataburger and Taco Villa. That's the majority of everybody's of uh, everybody's does, orders. Does Wingstop count as fast food? I mean, it's not a sit down. It's not a sit down restaurant like you go and order from a menu, paper menu. I. Uh, it's more like like a Roses where you like there's you order and they make, go make it for you. Well, but the Roses I hope counts because that's going to be mine. Uh, <laughs> Because they have a drive-thru. I almost think a drive-thru would almost have to be there for it to be a fast food. But you can order, like, to go. You can go do that at Chili's. Like, you can do that at Applebee's. You can do that at Cheesecake Factory. Okay. <laughs> Those aren't fast food. You can do it at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, you can do that at a ton of places. So I don't know if Wingstop would qualify. I think you've got to have a drive-thru. Then let me reconsider. <laughs> okay, well, I can go into mine. Because mine... See, I, I think we've kind of had this conversation partially before mine is roses. And what I would get is the fajita taco salad. That, that actually is a solid choice. I, I that is an excellent idea because you can, <laughs> cause we've talked you, about this. You're before. convincing me because the two meals I feel like I could eat every day are a cheeseburger or some form of Tex-Mex. And so this would kind of t- fall under that theory I have of myself where I've, I've I've lived out this weird scenario in my head a few times where I can only eat one thing for X amount. 
So rather than cheeseburger, which I truly love, I would go with the fajita taco salad because you get you the could, fajita meat, which is pretty good. The fajita meat's fantastic. It's the best fast food fajita meat you can get. Mm-hmm. And, you smell it. From yeah, yeah. And all then, over town. And then you've got the romaine lettuce, and then you've got beans at the bottom. You've got cheese. You've got guac. You've got sour cream. You've got the whole shell. So you can kind of pick it apart if you're really feeling like, oh, man. You, yeah, you, you, uh, you get some variety. I don't like, know. Like you can turn that fajita salad into like nachos. Like right? all these guys who picked the number two from Whataburger every day. Hey, oh, <laughs> that's man. on my list. Like there's, <laughs> th- th- there were there were two guys, Red Raiders, uh, Whataburger number two, water size that may be pushing it. You may kill yourself <laughs> with cheese, no onions. That would like one guy I'm, picks if chips I'm just, and queso only. <laughs> if I'm just going to Whataburger without like a special thing in mind, that's almost my exact order. Yeah. Like I, I will probably pass on the water size, but like the number two cheese, no onions. Sometimes I'll, I'll get fancy and add jalapenos or add bacon or add both. See, now you should do that. But if in this scenario, you should do that and then just pick them off if you don't want them. Add anything you can think of to that burger. And then I don't feel like having the bacon today, which I mean, that would be weird. Why wouldn't you want the bacon? <laughs> But maybe you don't want the jalapenos, or maybe you don't want the onions. But now mine would be a Rose's fajita Rose's. taco salad because on you know day thirty-seven you're like, I've gained seventeen pounds. I think I've only got like I think I'm just gonna eat the lettuce today. Two hundred and ninety days. Days. And then one of those rough days where you're like, I'm gonna eat every single. I'm gonna eat the bowl, uh, all of it. Mm-hmm. Then you can just you it's, can just take it all. You can pick how you want to eat that meal. It's great to break the bowl down if you've got like oh, a bowl of salsa too, yeah. and just finish. Oh my goodness! And just or, and then also pour the salsa kind of like dressing, as if you need dressing. No, it's it's there's like, already sour yeah. cream and <laughs> guacamole in there. I so what what I, when I when I order that, I usually give my wife the guac. I'm not a big fan of guac, especially raw onions. I pass. She, she loves it. It's easy. I'll also take like most of the sour cream out because I'm. I don't know if, if I leave the sour cream in it and then put a bunch of salsa in it, then it gets like real goopy at the bottom and the end of the salad. It's just, <laughs> okay. Anyways, going yard. Are you ready? I'm ready. <sighs> Why would anyone do drugs when they could just mow a lawn? Okay. So we are running a little bit behind. I will just say because of the, there was no, going yard last week or when there was, there wasn't much to report on. I did put down some, some grass seed this weekend looking at the forecast and saying, Oh, it's going to rain, but hopefully it'd be light enough. It may not wash away. It may have washed away Saturday night. Time will tell. Yeah, that was quite a bit of rain. Seed is fairly cheap. So here in a couple of days when it should be growing and it's not, I could say, Hey, it's probably got washed away. I'll just reapply it. The problem with that though, is I ordered some, a specialty blend from uh it's called United Seeds, United Seeds from Omaha. Um it was like a, a specialty ten pound bag of a couple of varieties that are supposed to spread, which is not a typical fescue characteristic or activity. Fescue is a clumping grass, it just you know, fill in around that one seed by just putting out just more grass. Whereas like a Bermuda or a Kentucky bluegrass will spread. Right. These are supposed to spread. I'll be a lot slower than all of those. I was excited about that to kind of test that out. Unfortunately, that specialty grass seed may have gotten washed away. 
there's actually no way for me to tell. I've, I've like got down in the grass and like dug, dug through it. I've seen a few seeds, but I can't tell like across the entire yard how much is left. I do have really nice grass seed left over from last year. I could just, you know, next weekend go out there, see that the grass isn't growing, put down another hopper full of grass seed that I know is really good. just doesn't spread. Um, that's all I got. Well, that, that was pretty good. I, I didn't fall this weekend, which is good. Also good. <laughs> Wrist still hurts like a mother. <laughs> Every now and then I'll, I'll tweak it doing something. I'm like, yep, that thing still hurts. <laughs> I did say that I, I went to urgent care and it was not broken. That's good. That's very good. But without further testing, there was nothing. It's just, it's dumb. Okay. Are you ready to talk about what we learned? I am. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I don't know either. Michael, what did we learn? I learned that crawlers are a game changer. You have to define what a crawler is. A crawler is a 32-ounce can that your local brewer can fill for you and seal it, and you can just take it home with you. So it's a special microbrew that you can get canned and taken home. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to consume that at the, no. the brewery. You can buy it. And now because Texas has gotten with the times, you can, as of September 1st, you can go to your local brewer and get a growler, which, you know, you'd have to bring your own and all that. The, the great thing about a crowler is you don't have to like haul around a half gallon jug with you somewhere. <laughs> If you decide, you know what, man, I really... Like a mini keg? Yeah, if you're just kind of out and about and decided, man, I really wish I could... I didn't get to try all the beers I wanted to try at this brewery. Well, I'll just get a crowler of that that one I didn't get to try and take it home. We actually did that this weekend. We went to the the Doctoberfest celebration at Two Docks. Mm-hmm. It was pouring. <laughs> uh, and so we just had the Oktoberfest beer. We had a couple of those, and they had just come out with this... Um, this hazy IPA I really wanted to have. And I was like, ah, that's, that's too much to do tonight. But because of the crowler, I could buy it then. And my wife and I each had a glass of beer last night. And so it was just really, it's just a huge game changer because you can, I think it's actually, it doesn't make sense, but I think it may actually help people or stop people from overindulging a little bit because they know if there was a, if you go to some brewery and there's a great beer on tap that you really like, but then, you know, you've already had two or maybe three or whatever. And you're like, ah, you don't have to force yourself. to. No, you can just say, you know what? I can get that to go. And then, and because it's in a crowler, it's going to stay sealed for, I really don't know how long they last. I'd imagine as long as any can of beer would last, sealed in your fridge because if you take a growler those seals aren't that great and they'll start losing some of the carbon dioxide and you'll end up with a flat beer later on so all that to say crawlers are fantastic game changer i look forward to going to breweries even more now because i can go you know i didn't get to try that ipa i'll take one to go (laughs) okay so this is going to sound weird but speaking of beers especially come from somebody that doesn't drink beer um Brian wrote a really fantastic article on Oktoberfest beers. Yes. Like I said, I don't drink beer. I have no experience with any of this. I was like, this is fantastic. I, I loved it. Um, it's great. It's on Staking the Plains if you want to check it out. Uh, he gets into a little bit of the history of Oktoberfest, the 
the I guess the rules and regulation of a true Oktoberfest beer. How there's normally only six of them. Um, how the the festival lasts only a week, um, and it ends real early in October. So it runs like the end of September, end of October. So we're we're coming up on that time. Um, but then he, he talks about all the the beers that you can get, or some, not all of them. Some of his his recommendations for those true beers that you would find in Oktoberfest in Munich, but also some local domestic versions, uh, seasonal varieties that just sound fantastic. If, if mm-hmm. I was a beer drinker, I'd, I'd definitely check it out. So, Michael, I do this every time. I need to figure out how to work this stupid board. No, it, oh, well, it's fine. It's great. Yeah. We're at the end of it. We went a little long this week, guys. Sorry. Had a lot to cover, and and we had a great guest. So thanks for coming on, Jay. Yeah, we, so we hope to have a conference podcast, conference opponent every game, every conference game going the rest of the season, which reminds me I need to reach out to some Cowboy podcasters, see if we can get them on. Um, again, game time this weekend on Fox at 11 a.m., Counting the kickoff, 9 to 11 this weekend. There will be no post game. I will be out in the woods hunting. I'm excited. Just sounds that just sounds terrible. It we're gonna we're gonna either you're gonna have a great time, man. We're gonna do dove and or boar. And then cook. Maybe you're gonna get to cook some stuff. Yeah, Possibly. that just sounds like a great time. Yeah. So for Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining us this week on the 23 personnel podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.